Hello there, listeners and viewers. This is Ron Stefanski with yet another episode, an exciting one, on Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the most interesting, fascinating people. These are people who are do-gooders, determined, passionate, purpose-driven, and all have in common one key feature, which is they all have a very high GSD index. They're not only thought leaders, in the world of disruption, but they're people who get shit done. And with me today is a gentleman who uh, is just electric. I just got to tell you, he's a very charismatic thought leader. Um, he's an attorney by background and, and, and has his master's in library science as well. He's the director of the Kent District Library, Lance Warner. Welcome to District. Thanks for having me today, Ron. I'm really excited to speak with you. Well, I'm really glad to have you here because there's an issue that's near and dear to me as a supporter and advocate for public libraries, and that's the whole issue of free-flowing, fact-based information. Yeah. And over the last six or eight years, the idea of fact-based information has been under assault with things like alternative facts, uh, fake news. And I think this is where the library really shines most vividly as a public institution. Because if you look at the research from the Pew uh, group, as well as other places, what they'll tell you is uh, millions of people in America have a public library card. Millions of people access public libraries. And by and large, 97% of the people out there trust the library for information and resources. And Lance, I have to be honest, you know, for our viewing and listening audience out there, Lance and I have been friends for over a decade now. And we always have these really, really amazingly interesting conversations. And the one we had uh, earlier this month just absolutely gobsmacked me. And that was the degree to which the library is under assault for recent efforts to introduce censorship into it. So that's a concerning fact about what's going on in public libraries, that people are actually rising up to try to prevent information from being part of the library under the interest of protecting our children or protecting the community. And you've immersed yourself into this issue as a member of the Library of Michigan, you're on the board, you're in the advisory board for the historical uh, aspect of the library. And tell us a little bit about what you were encountering at Kent District well, Library. Uh, to back up a little bit, just to describe our jurisdictional service area, we're in West Michigan. Um, it is uh, largely a very conservative area. We serve uh, 27 different municipalities and you know, we've always had book challenges, but over the last almost two years now, they've really ramped up. And it's gotten to the point where we have info we have we have two broad categories of challenges, formal and informal challenges. Formal challenges are where somebody actually has filled out the paperwork and proceeded with a formal challenge to withdraw an item. And then informal challenges are just basically people making comments and refusing to fill out our paperwork or refusing to fill out a form. Um, we require forms because we feel like if it's that important to them, they need to A, have read the book and B, be able to articulate what's wrong with it. 
Um, and so we get uh, probably one to two informal challenges a week. And we, I think we're going to close here with 20 formal challenges. Now, by, by, you know, by comparison, before the book banning issue became kind of the hot topic politically, we were getting one to two a year, and now we're up to 20. And the other thing that's happening is we used to have maybe one to two people that would run for board uh, vacancies. And now we're having up to 25 people run for a board vacancy. And it's this whole movement um, around book banning and book challenges. I, I really truly believe that it came out. I think it's a political strategy. I think it's the same strategy that, you know, that was uh, utilized um, against uh, the Democrats, actually, um, that yeah, in the past, as you recall, I mean, for a long time, the political strategy was and still is. The Democrats are trying to take away your guns. If if a Democrat gets elected, um, they're going to come to your house and take away your guns. And that's why every time we have a Democratic governor or Democratic president, gun sales go up a thousand percent around the country, and people buy more guns than ever. And you can't find any, you know, guns or bullets at any of the stores because everybody just panic buys them. Like there's a, you know, like so it's almost like the bread and milk when a big storm's coming. And that's all part of that political right. strategy. And the same thing's true with abortion, where you know, it was a political strategy to basically say that, you know, every Democrat loves abortion and loves to kill babies. And, you know, what a load of horse crap. But, I mean, it's stuck. And so this is a political strategy, too. I think at the national level and it, and by and large at the state level, it's a failed political strategy, but it's been a winning political strategy at the local level. And so we have yeah. had a number of, I mean, we have a lot number of book challenges, but we've had a number of municipal bodies challenge us on items and um, basically, you know, demand that we take things off. And I'll say, it's kind of my impression that this whole thing, not only is it a political challenge, it's, in my opinion, it's just straight up bigotry rolled, you know, wrapped in this notion of parental rights and religious freedom. Um, it has nothing to do with parental rights, nor does it have anything to do with religious freedom. It has everything to do with kind of infringing in other people's civil rights to access information because you take umbrage in what they're looking at. And we stand against all censorship here. The only things we would ever consider pulling off the shelf are items that aren't protected by the Constitution. And as far as I know, there is nothing in our collection that is not protected by the Constitution. Um, nor will we move items unless they need to be moved. And so we a lot of, you know, so this request is, you know, kind of morphed from pull the item off the shelf and throw it away and never buy these types of books again to right, please right. hide the books so no one can find them. So hiding the books so no one can find them is also censorship, and we stand against that as well. Um, largely, the challenges are focused on LBGTQIA materials or um, materials that deal with uh, people of color. Um, and again, it just feels really racist. We deal with it all the time. Um, and there are some fundamental things that, uh, that, you know, we do. A, we think that it's critical that people fill out the form, as I mentioned earlier. Because right. It kind of puts them on the record. Right? On the record. Sort of requires them to stand up and, and make a record of that. Absolutely. Claim. And not only do we require them to fill out the form, but we require them to fill out the form for every title that they want to challenge, a separate form. Because what's happening out of the country is there's these, these national groups like Moms for Liberty they have a list of about 2,000 books they think need to be off the library shelves. And we'll have people that'll come in with a list of 50 books and say, I want you to withdraw these immediately. 
They won't even check to see if we have them. They'll just say, I want you to withdraw these immediately because they read something on social media. And uh, that's not going to work, right? So what we, we make right. to fill out the form. We have a process. The form, we, we, take the, we take the burden off the people on the front end. So we our instruction to our frontline employees that are kind of addressing these challenges in the moment is to be very empathetic and, and generous and kind and, and just hear the person out, give them the form, instruct them to fill out the form. And then just leave them with a the form. Don't engage them. So the the person will fill out the form either in the branch or they'll fill it out online. They'll send it to us. We'll send it to our collection uh, development department. They have a process where they go through and read all the reviews of an item. Um, and then they also, you know, make a preliminary determination about the constitutionality of the item. And then they make a recommendation to me. I, I go through the same process. And then at that point, we write a letter back to the person, let them know whether we decided to, you know, pull the item, not pull the item, or move the item, or not move the item. And that's the way it's gone. Um, there's a couple of things, though, that I think that are really, really important when anybody is addressing um, these these sorts of book challenges in person, particularly if you're dealing with a group of people, particularly if you're dealing with a municipal group of people like a county uh, township board or a city council or anybody is a, I mean, it's kind of advocacy one-on-one stuff. A, know who you're talking to, know what their, you know, know what their values are, know where they stand on the political spectrum, get some idea of who they are because you're going to tailor your message to your audience. And there's really only one argument and that is the constitutional argument. And we win that argument every time because the constitution is very clear that we have an absolute right to access information that's constitutionally protected under the first amendment and and, and right. so you want it's really critical that we we kind of tailor our, our uh, arguments uh based on our audience and what i mean by that is if i'm talking to a bunch of people that are extremists i'm not going to have an academic talk with them about the constitution because it's going to fall on deaf ears instead i'm going to talk about freedom 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 i'm going to say freedom as many times as i can say that you know we stand for freedom we stand for everybody's freedom. We stand for religious freedom. We stand for freedom and we support freedom. And then I'm going to talk about cancel culture and that with the library doesn't practice cancel culture because these are these are kind of hot button words that they use, you know, in, in, in the extremist groups. They're always talking about freedom. They're always talking about cancel right. culture. So I use their own terminology against them and it seems to land a lot better. The other thing that we never do is we never ever defend the title itself. It's too subjective. Essentially what you're telling somebody, they're saying, hey, I hate this book. You're saying, no, it's a good book. You're not gonna win that argument. Um, so instead of instead of arguing the title, we argue the premise. And the premise is, is that this country is based on, you know, a set of laws that are embodied within the constitution. If people have constitutional freedoms under the first amendment to access information, and that's that's the argument. And so that's where we go and what we say, and then we always swing back to that. We never go off, if we're arguing with people, and we're having to go to a, uh, a township meeting to argue against a book challenge, we're not going off on our two track, we're not gonna get distracted, we're always gonna come back to this argument about supporting and protecting the Constitution. We're just correcting our verbiage based on our audience, yes. Right. So let me let me press the pause here because there's a lot to unpack here. So first of all, I think it probably bears mentioning to our audience that you're not suggesting you're taking a political view at a library. What you're saying, in effect, just to clarify, 
is that there are political groups out there that are doing more of this than other political yes. groups. But by no means are you putting a break on anyone from expressing political Not thoughts all. here. This is really about more yeah, than that, right? And I think it, it's also worth mentioning, too, that we get challenges from both sides of the aisle. It's just an exclusive, for, you know, exclusively from the, the right side of the aisle. It comes from the left side of the aisle, too. It even comes from publishers. So in our opinion, a challenge is a challenge is a challenge. We don't care where the challenge comes from. Um, if it is something that, you know, where, where somebody's requesting that we infringe on people's uh, constitutional freedoms, we're not going to do it. It doesn't matter if it comes to right or left or a publisher or anything. We're going to fight everybody on it because we know that everything that we give up now is gone and the future generations will only have materials because we let the, you know, the 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 salt to, to stand in the gap and fight the fight when we needed to fight it. So we are all about fighting all of these challenges whenever and wherever we can. Um, we're dedicated to training other people how to do it. Um, and we know that this is the most important work that any of us are going to do in our career if we plan on living in a country where the marketplace of ideas is free. And uh, we'll always do this work. This is the most important work of my career. I've done a lot of things, but defending the Constitution and defending um, people's rights to access information is the most important thing that I do. Well, I think this is a really, really critical issue. It's very important. And I appreciate what you're saying here, Lance. At the same time, um, are you finding that certain subjects or certain areas are, or certain books are finding their way on this list, or is it a sort of a broad uh, assault against a number of different things that sort of uh, raise uh, people's eyebrows? Initially, I think it was very much focused in on the LBGTQIA materials that are um, published for children and teens. And then I think from there, it kind of branched out into uh, materials uh, for people of color um for children and teens and then it's kind of spiraled off and we're seeing a lot of the old titles um that we've seen challenges over in the past on these lists now things like you know to kill a mockingbird or Mary Potter right. because of witchcraft you know and all of this ridiculous crap so it started small it didn't start with public libraries either it started with school libraries and it's kind of gone over to the public library side now and now we're dealing with it it makes a lot of sense. Recently on Disrupted, we had a guest, Leighton Cheney, who joined us to talk about civility in these disrupted times. Uh, my friend Leighton is non-binary, and what they talked about during their episode was the nature of civility or incivility when it comes to representing LGBTQ+. Uh, items uh, uh, or the agenda, you know, values of the group and representing that group faithfully and in a civil way. And I'm curious, uh, as I'm sure many of my listeners and viewers are, uh, are you seeing people coming in and engaging your staff? Uh, have you seen that level of activity increase or is it just more people coming in to, to provoke these challenges? No, we have people that come in and engage and people that come in and provoke. Um, and one of the things that, you know, at Kent District Library, we exist to further all people through kindness, empathy, and love. And so one of the lessons we teach people when they're dealing with this type of thing is the person that keeps their dignity the longest wins. 
And so we, we really... That's a, wait, let me just stop you right there. But I want you to repeat that because I love that. The person that keeps their dignity the longest wins when you're having these types of arguments. And you'll know you've won. I think that's pretty... When the other party has totally lost their crap and it's just gone off and turned into a shouting buttery mess i mean you know that you know you won the argument because they're frustrated and that's why they're angry and they're acting out so it's important to always maintain that sort of dignity and always be civil and um you're only responsible for your own behavior and so you know we instruct people to be the bigger person that doesn't mean people are going to get what they want um that just means that we're not going to debase ourselves by rolling around in the mud with the other pigs right it means that you're not going to engage in un uncivil behavior i, th I think you know uh, you're raising a really important point here lance that extends outside of the library and that is that in social places and the library is certainly one of the most populated social places we're finding more people engaging in uncivil behavior and i think that's really the source code for getting things back on track you know you mentioned that uh, some of these items are particularly polarizing and they tend to be you know the you know we think that if you vote for a certain per person you're going to lose your right to guns or you're going to lose your constitutional rights and those are often foils for a larger and more nefarious political agenda but i think what's happening in our public dialogue in our public discourse is a tendency to move toward existential arguments this party this group of people are going to shut down your ability to live in the way that you've been comfortable doing so in this country and i think it means for for those of us in public institutions to recognize and respect the fact that we have to do our part to move the dialogue back to a civil yep. plane and back to a place where it's not an existential threat we've had you know and i think leighton cheney and her in their uh episode talked about the fact that in some respects we need to move politicians back into their silo or back into their box because this conversation has started to overwhelm all of us and when you look at the data it's pretty troubling more and more people are becoming uh, really disturbed by the amount of political uh, discourse and the nature of it and i think as a public institution the library plays such an important role i know for example that your events program reflects the fact that you have a diverse body of people in your community that come and take advantage of the library as a community gathering center and that's as protected as the materials on the shelves of the of the library. Well, absolutely you know one of the things we try to do where a popular materials library is to have a collection that reflects our demographics of the population that we serve and the other thing that's true is that things that are aren't circulated aren't on the shelf here they they don't survive they, they end up getting weeded out so i always tell everybody that if you found it on the shelf you found it on the shelf because somebody else checked it out um otherwise it wouldn't be there and our collection is we're heading toward a more representative collection but i mean it's still i mean even now it's, it's still not up to where it needs to be to tr be a truly representative collection i mean you can look at the demographic data for Kent County, for instance, and we can kind of surmise that in two to four percent of Kent County um, is LBGTQIA. Um, what's also true is two to four percent of my collection is not LBGTQIA. Um, so we're, we're working out. Does that mean we're pushing an agenda? No, that means we're trying to have a representative collection. We're doing the same thing with programming. Well, it sounds like you're trying to write something right. 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 a particular gender. 
You know, we don't set the agenda. We move right. society. That's what we do. I have something else I wanted to say to you. My friend Brian has this great saying. And, you know, thinking back about what you were saying earlier about, about the discourse and, and the lack of civility. What Brian says is the lowest level of behavior we accept is the highest level of behavior we can expect or require. And the reason why things are the way they are is we let them get this way because we were complacent. If you're not happy with the way things are, then work on changing them. You know, it's time for people to stand up. You know, we want to get back to, you know, sanity. Then we have to be willing to fight to get back to sanity because it's not just going to happen on its own. And that's, that's all there is to it. Well, you know, Lance, I have to give you a shout out here because you um, you walk the talk. You've been involved at the state level. You've been involved in the library organizations. You've been involved as an advocate for free speech and the free dissemination of materials and all the things that we cherish about our local community library. So I have to give you credit for that. Um, you're a walking advocate for all the things that we value in libraries. And at a time that um, politics has is, is really amped up the amount of anxiety and distress people are experiencing, I think the library can be a real antidote to that in a couple of different respects. Yep. First of all, the library can help inform you. So if you're troubled by an issue or if you're troubled by something that's going on, you can head over to your public library right. and you can find out more and you can find out more. And and the other thing that a library does uh, in terms of this misinformation is it's a gathering place. So the community is apt to uh, congregate a library, to uh, be at a library, and also to utilize the public gathering places within your library system to bring uh, aligned groups together. Yep. And I think that's where you in Kent County have uh, really excelled, because if you look at your events program, it's a pretty well-representative group of people that takes advantage of that opportunity to use the library almost as a town hall, almost as a, a, a place of, uh, of of back and forth. Um, what I love about what you've been sharing today uh, to our listening and viewing audience, Lance, is this idea that we have to get back to some essential characteristics that protect and serve our Constitution and our liberties, and that is civility, and that is freedom, and that is the ability to engage in views that we disagree with, to engage with people that we disagree with, but to do so in a charitable, kind, and loving way. And I really, really love this. For those of you out there listening to Disrupt Dad, we've been talking with Lance Werner, the CEO of Kent District Library, one of my favorite library lions out there. And someone, as you can hear from this episode, is really more than just putting books on shelves, is more than just providing information and cool and interesting entertainment for his community. But he's also standing at the vanguard of protecting our rights to have access to free flow of information and to also put up if you will, a barricade against misinformation. You know, um, Lance, thank you so much for joining us thank and talking you. with us. Any last words about about the work that you're doing in censorship? We will never, ever quit. We will never stop. This is the fight of our careers. We'll take all comers. We're never going to stop. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to lose this fight because we're not going to ever stop fighting. And that's all I have to say about it. That's fantastic. So, 
Listeners and viewers, you've been hearing it firsthand from Lance Werner again, the director of the Kent District Library, and I'm your host, Ron Stefanski. This has been another episode of Disrupt Ed. Join us throughout our series talking with library thought leaders because as you can hear from each one of them they are passionate and purpose driven they are the good guys out there who are protecting our freedoms who are protecting our access to information and protecting those things that we hold most dear in a democratic community and in a democratic society so thank you to lance and thank you to all of our library lions out there many of whom you're going to hear from when you stay tuned at Disrupt Ed. Thank you all. Thanks, Ron.